0: Hi, and welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have today's guest, Kristen Blessman. Kristen, thank you so much for being here today.
1: Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Well, Kristen, you have so much awesome stuff going on right now. But before we get there, will you tell us a little bit about maybe where you're from and kind of how you got started?
1: Yeah, sure. Happy to do that. Um, I have been in the nonprofit industry, KASH, long now I've worked for both for-profit and non-profit but I've spent probably about the last I would say 15 years working in non-profit and it's kind of been a sort of an interesting journey for me um, that has really come full circle I think just in the past couple years I think I was drawn to non-profit just based on how I grew up I grew up in in um, a very very loving very dysfunctional household. Um, We had a lot of addiction in my family and I learned about addiction at a very young age and how it affects communities and families and, you know, I never really started to work in nonprofits because I had a bleeding heart. I think, you know, I had seen so much around me by the time I entered into my career, but I think what drew me to nonprofit is they're masters of change. And I think I had to experience so much change in my own personal life, Um, you know, just learning how to navigate the environment and the chaos that I grew up with, as well as learning how to navigate that, that in my life and experiencing change on my own as well. And so, you know, looking back on it now, I think that that's what really drew me to them. And I'm a change agent leader. And so I always, I love to tell um, the story about how I learned about change through nonprofit Um, when I was working at Regis University, I witnessed a soldier who was dodging bullets to get his MBA degree. He had grown up in poverty and he had a two year old son and didn't want that same experience for him. So was basically willing to risk his life in order to get his master's. I witnessed a woman who got clean from a meth addiction, got out of jail, got her kids back, got a job and then dedicated her life to be an addiction counselor to help others do the same. Um, When um, I was at Goodwill, I remember I had, my son was three when I started there, and they had a program for individuals with disabilities and it was mostly for adults. It was a work program. And I saw a woman walk her son up to our office where he worked and he was he looked like he was in his 20s and i had just dropped my son off at daycare and it just struck me where where would this her child go if we weren't here right and so the idea of just i think i just got hooked on watching the transformation that human beings are able to make. And because I have a business mind, right? Like I'm not afraid to cut programs. I'm I'm pretty wicked when it comes to that stuff, right? And I realize that that's why I'm a turnaround change agent leader. I'm not afraid to do what's necessary, but I'm completely hooked on watching what human beings are able to do given the adversity that they go through. And so um, I probably won't be a nonprofit forever. I'd like to create some change in for-profit organizations because I think nonprofits do it so well and I wanna teach that to other organizations, but that's really what brought me on my path and it's, you know, gets addicting after a while.
0: Wow, that's awesome. And it's so cool just to hear your passion for wanting to see people grow and change and Mm -hmm. develop Yeah. You, you know, when you look at your course, like where did you sort of start where where you immediately knew you were going to go into the nonprofits or did you kind of come from the for profit and then move in or what was some of the details? What were some of those jobs?
1: So, I started my career out in sales, which I think is such a wonderful way to start because you learn very early on how important the customer is and how they drive everything that you do. You know, it's so interesting. I don't know if you follow the work of the Business Roundtable. you heard of it? So,
0: awesome.
1: the Business Roundtable is a group of approximately 180 CEOs, like CEOs of really big companies in america and they sort of set the stage for how companies should operate successfully and what they should be thinking about and what trends are out there and the most recent meeting um, they proclaimed how important conscious capitalism is and basically what that is is no longer is it most important to focus on your shareholders and making sure that they're happy because they're not going to be happy unless first your employees feel invested in and happy they invest in the communities that they're a part of, and then also making sure that their customers feel value. And so I think, you know, when you start out in sales, you just by nature get that immediately, right? You have to work with employees internally and make sure that they're working with you and also make sure that the customer's needs are met. So I feel so fortunate that that's where I started, but I've always been in very long-term relationship sales. So I've had the ability to build deep and meaningful relationships with our customers. and. I really liked that start um, and so I think you know being fortunate enough to start out in for profit with that was really meaningful. I had an opportunity to work in New York City for a while for a Japanese corporation which was just such an incredible experience because especially now that I'm at the women's chamber right to to learn about that diverse perspective and their approach to business was incredible and. I'm not sure if this is part of Japanese culture overall, but it definitely was part of the culture for the company that I worked for. We worked so hard. I mean, it was definitely ingrained, right? Like we're gonna work hard, but we're also gonna play hard. Yeah. And they just took really, really good care of us. Just fun, right? Yeah. Family owned business. So when the family would come into town, we'd all go out and you know go karaoke or go out to dinner and just spend time with each other. And it was the first time that I had really experienced such an incredible culture where we just knew our employees and we felt taken care of and we felt like a family. Yeah. And so that was sort of my for-profit experience and and interestingly enough, like I said, I never got into nonprofit because I had a bleeding heart. I never set out to say, oh, I want to work for a nonprofit because I want to do good in the world. It just kind of happened to me. And like I said, when you witness that change and when you're around it all the time, you kind of get hooked. So I loved the idea of saying, okay, I'm really good at marketing, I'm very good at sales, I'm good at business skills and leading an organization, leading a department, but there's something about being able to use that for good and spreading that good message that um, I really got hooked on. And again, I think for profits, you know, you're not gonna be able to do conscious capitalism unless you can practice that type of behavior. So I think it's gonna be an interesting time to see what happens between Nonprofit and for-profit. I've always heard the idea of, oh, well, nonprofits are great, and isn't it great work that you do? But those skills don't really transfer to for-profits, and I, I really think that that we're going to see that change now because they are practicing more of this, you know, conscious capitalism, getting involved in communities, valuing employees, valuing your customers. These are practices that nonprofits have been using for years and years and years. So, yeah.
0: Absolutely, I mean that's awesome, and thank you for sharing that with us. We, you know, when you you say this, like building community and being involved and being invested, I mean it's huge. And in the in the the topic of social capital, you know, often people are like, "Well, what do you think? How do you think you build influence?" And I truly believe it's by building goodwill, yeah, by creating something positive for the people around you or the community that you're involved in, and by being part of that solution. And, and hearing what that need is and doing something. And it's, it's so exciting to hear that some of these big brands and big companies are starting to be more aware of their actual engagement and the communities that they're involved in.
1: Yeah, we have a lot of members that are like that as well. Um, Excel Energy is, is one of our strongest supporters, and they do a day of service here locally. And lots of companies do days of service, right? It's not new. They get all their employees together and rally, and they do different projects around town. Excel Energy is interesting because they invite the community to participate with them. Oh, And I thought that that was really cool. You know, they organize these big outreaches to nonprofits, but they also allow people from the community to participate as well. And what a cool way to rally and then just get out to the community and have your employees meet people. So I loved that idea.
0: Yeah. Isn't it so huge when these corporations, I was just having a conversation today with some, some big corporation people and, and how do we take that message? And that's what they were asking. How do we take what we're really good at at the top? And what our headquarters team spends all of this time and money to build and, and these e-blasts and social campaigns and all of this stuff. But how do we actually connect it to the real live human being that we're trying to connect to? Right. And A lot of that has to do with actually building some of those true relationships human to human and create yeah. that human capital.
1: I agree. And again, I think we're just beginning to scratch the surface on that.
0: Well, I'm really excited to see how that all ends up transpiring over these next several years and and hopefully it doesn't take a decade, but sometimes these kinds of things seem to take a little while, but, uh, you know, in looking at kind of the idea of social capital and with your, your roles and your experience, would you say that there's a few key ingredients to developing that kind of capital?
1: You know, You said something in your in your previous response that made me that made me think about something. And, you know, it's interesting that you ask the question of, you know, kind of tell me your story, how you got to where you are. Some people reference childhood. You know, I don't think society or companies really value enough someone's personal journey. For instance, I don't think that I could be a change agent leader and have the leadership qualities and style that I have had I not gone through what I went through as a child, right? I right. learned to navigate chaos, essentially, right? Like, oh, that's, I'm gonna stay away from that, I'm gonna go change that, I'm gonna do this, and, and I developed these incredible skills as a result that this organization just happened to need and also greatly values, and I never have to be ashamed of telling my story, right? I remember the yeah. first time it was a women's chamber event and I was getting ready to I just, I felt compelled to say, okay, if this is a series where we're going to share our story, I'm going to share my story, all the dirt, all the everything, everything that I went through. And I remember telling somebody that, and they're like, you can't do that. This is your first role as a CEO. No one's going to hire you ever again. Like this is career suicide. How could you do that? And I thought, well, well, I have to, i have to if if my journey isn't valued or i'm not able to give back what i know and my knowledge for somebody else not to feel ashamed and also because i have these skills because of what i've went through and i think what stands out to me is that we need to start valuing people's personal journeys more it's not just about like oh our employees want to get involved in this cause right like no your employees want to get Involved in causes that matter to them for a reason because they have experiences themselves that is drawing them to that cause. And I think that it needs to, we need to stop thinking about it from the perspective of we're going to take people's passions and put them somewhere else in this nonprofit. How about we take people's passions and experiences and learn how to utilize and channel those at work in business? And I think that that's sort of a different way of thinking about it.
0: Absolutely. And it's huge. And, you know, tell us a little bit more about what you do for the Women's Chamber, because I mean, we'll have all of your contact information in the show notes. And so please be sure to reach out to Kristen and to the Women's Chamber and to get involved. But Kristen, a big piece of what my understanding is that you do is really how do we engage our membership? How do we provide the needs and, and the solutions to their needs? And how do we do these things that create this sense of of belonging as well as being a resource.
1: Right, well it's interesting because that's one of the things that drew me to this organization. So I've been a member of the Women's Chamber longtime supporter for over 20 years in different roles. Right, so I think when I first got involved I had just moved back from New York City and started my own business. And so I joined the Women's Chamber at that time and then had been involved with this organization in various roles because I did marketing and PR. And so it was always my involvement with the chamber. And I think one of the things that drew me to this organization this is this a 30, we're one of the largest and oldest women women's chambers in the country.
0: Wow, congratulations. And I know it's so cool.
1: And it's it's such an incredible organization. And and you know, when you think about businesses, right? Most don't even last that long. Right. And so it's it's the previous leadership did an incredible job of keeping this organization strong but one of the things that i had noticed when i started is that the needs of women in business were very different than what they were 30 years ago when you think, and, and it doesn't sound that long ago when you say the 80s but in the 80s women were just beginning to surpass men as far as getting college degrees we were just entering into non-traditional careers for women so when this organization was started and what it was started for was primarily to help women-owned businesses just you know network and provide education with each other and resources and now we need women to grow We need our community, our members to rally around the fact that the statistics for women in business are still really meek. So 86% of women-owned businesses have only one employee in Colorado that has not changed in decades. We are close to ninth in the nation for death rate of women-owned businesses. So they're starting and stopping. And you know, interestingly enough, those statistics for women-owned businesses mirror corporations too right like we're leaving the workforce in droves we're not getting into the c-suite enough only 14 percent of us are ceos in colorado so it, there's never been a more important time if you're going to get involved with a cause that affects you and other women right we all most of us work right we all are contributing to the economy in some way shape or form it's incredibly important for women these days to become self-sufficient so they have choices so What we're really trying to do is rally our membership, rally our community around the advancement of women in business, and really look at innovative practices and ways to do that because nobody really knows how. I think corporations are admitting it's important, but I don't think anybody really knows how. And that's what we're trying to incubate here. Like, how are we gonna change it? What are we gonna do? And get our members to dive in and do it.
0: That's so awesome. And I- so so fun. Yeah, I can what think you what you ladies are doing over there. I mean, it is really powerful. And when you read some of those statistics that you have in your, on your website and in your your collateral, I mean, it's it's actually shocking. I had no idea that so few women sat on boards and were in I know here in Colorado. I
1: know. It's crazy. We're almost last in the nation for number of women on publicly traded boards. And, you know, some of the data that we uncovered, so we've done some focus groups here at the Chamber. And the data that we uncovered is there, from our members' perspective, is that there's three things holding women back. Number one is unconscious bias in corporate culture, because that still exists, right? It, it hasn't changed. Yeah. Number two is communication. And basically how that plays out is how we communicate to ourselves, like our limiting beliefs, oh, I can't do that, or I'm not qualified to do that, or, you know, those sorts of yeah. things. And number three is lack of mentorship and sponsorship. And so, We do a little bit of programming around unconscious bias and corporate culture. We have our State of Women in Business event coming up um, where we really address how to change that, but when I look at number two and three, the way we communicate to ourselves, that's completely controllable. Remember we talked about change and the change that you can create? Well, should we choose to, we can stop communicating to ourselves that way. We can start communicating to ourselves saying, "Uh, yeah, I might not have every qualification that they're asking for but I've got damn near enough so I'm gonna apply anyway and I'm gonna go for it. And guess what, I know I'm a single mom but I wanna be a CEO so I'm gonna dive in and I'm gonna figure it out. Those are things that we can control with I think a little bit of training and programming. And then if you do some mentorship and sponsorship programs, we can show them other women that are doing that and how they've done it and show them how to navigate it. So we really focus a lot of our programs on that because those are the things that I think we can impact change with.
0: That's awesome, Uh, you know, and it's just exciting to be part of what you guys have going on over there. I talk to women literally on a weekly basis who are involved in what you're doing and are saying that, hey, having this support is totally changing my my almost even just their awareness, which yeah. then can change their actions, mm-hmm. and, and, it, and it's huge. You know, when you look at relationships, can you share with us how you believe that relationships can be critical to our success?
1: Well, absolutely. I mean, I wouldn't be where I am without them. Um, I, I was in an industry primarily dominated by women. I worked in marketing, right? So that's all women. So I've been so fortunate to have so many supportive women. So when I worked in New York City, I worked for the former VP of marketing for Liz Claiborne. Wow. So what an amazing mentor, right? And so she taught me everything she knew. And then when I went to Goodwill, that was primarily male-dominated. And so interestingly enough, my, my mentor at Goodwill was a man. And um, he had worked in corporate America and really did so much for me as far as saying, okay, I think you could be a CEO, so I'm going to give you the skill set to do it. And talk about communication. Remember we talked about that? I told him, well, I can't do that. I'm a single mom. I can't be a CEO. And he was like, whoa, I don't know what you're talking about, but I'll give you the skills. He goes, let's find you a female mentor that you can talk about those other hurdles to and get over them. And so I had two very critical female mentor relationships where it wasn't just talking about like, well, what were the career steps that you took? It was, well, you were a single mom of, of three kids. How did you do that? Or how did you deal with your board? Because I don't understand how to do that. And, and really being able to be vulnerable. Yeah. So I think, relationships with men and women are equally important but i think the difference that i saw in the relationships that i had developed with women is that i could tell them my vulnerabilities and they would help me navigate and overcome them. right it's just a different approach and again i have the job here as a ceo today because of relationships right so relationship with my boss at goodwill relationships with two mentors and in fact donna lynn the former Lieutenant Governor of Colorado, um, was the one that was mentoring me and she saw this job opening become available and I had told her three years previous that I wanted to be a CEO of a small nonprofit like the Women's Chamber. And so wow. she like, here you go, you have to apply. And so I wouldn't have it. And then Christine Benaro, the CEO of Mile High United Way coached me through the whole interview process, all of it. Like after every phone, interview after in-person interviews doing my resume like all of it side by side so i just i can't imagine a career world where it doesn't matter and i worry a little bit sometimes about you know social media and you know we really have a tough time with some of our events networking events and some of our programs because women are so overcommitted. yeah and so i did this little like My own, I call it mother-in-law research because I did it myself. We didn't hire a company. And I was noticing towards the end of last year that, you know, when we do all women's events, but I also go to other organizations' events that are all women. And I was noticing this pattern of, I always like to look at the name tags when I walk into it. Who's here? Who do I get to talk to? And I noticed about a 50% drop-off rate for women, women women-only events. Like we're registering, but we're not showing up. And then in January, I was like, I wonder if, what, what it is with men. Like, I wonder if men have that same problem. No. Out of, like, so let's say in a, in a room full of 50 registrations, maybe three men don't show wow. up. Wow. So I think what's going on, we're not lazy. We work incredibly hard. We are overbooking ourselves. And we're the ones, we're the first ones to give up. Something that has to do with our own promotion and our own advancement in a way that we're gonna build relationships to get the job done, to get stuff taken care of for the kids, to clean the house, whatever it is. Like we give up our stuff in order to handle everything else. And men don't. <laughs> right. They don't, they know that relationships are critical, right? They just get it. And so I wish i had all the answers on how to change it we're trying to come up with an app that provides resources like oh my gosh i have to go to this networking event tonight but my son has this project due and i need somebody to help me or you know just stuff like that so that we can put supports around it because we're not going to change we're not going to quit wanting to be home with our kids and being perfect about everything and wanting our house clean or whatever but how can we make it so that we can begin to invest the time in building relationships because it in the beginning, it doesn't seem like it's going to have a direct impact on your career, but it does. Yeah, That's how huge. men have been navigating it all along.
0: It's huge. And you touched on several good points there, But and it's true. It's just coming together and then figuring out how do we continue to prioritize uh, the things that are really helping us get to where we're trying to go, but right. yet still maintaining all of these responsibilities that often end up on our plate.
1: Right. Yeah. So you know, you asked me about relationships, we can't navigate it without it, but I think we're still struggling.
0: Yeah. And especially in such a digital society, you know, it's just like we, we took this pendulum and swung it all the way one direction. And it's sort of like, we need to swing a little bit the other direction. Well, now.
1: Well, and what's so interesting about it is that, you know, I think in, in personal lives, we possess these skills, right? I noticed this interesting interaction with our members when I first started at the Women's Chamber that we really had to consciously change where women were kind of awkwardly like, well, hi, I'm so-and-so, and here's my 30-second commercial, Where I'm so-and-so. And I, I was like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> like, we possess the skills to get to know each other on a very deep level. We can build relationships with individuals better than anyone. We just, I think, are, you know how they say that for the longest time women were trying to behave like men in the workplace, right? Right. We can teach this. We know how to do this, right? Men do that, right? They're like, hey, dude, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to help you out with this. We possess the ability to be like, no, I'm going to do business with you, I hope, but I want to know you. Like, you married to? What kids do you have? And we really invest in these relationships. But when you think about the time that we'll put into that and how that will exponentially help us over our career, we already know how to do it. We just need to make the time to do it.
0: Yeah, that's huge. And just and then I think some so much of it comes from just that support. And what you are offering at the women's chamber and, and what some of these other organizations offer is not necessarily that we're changing the culture, because that's a huge thing, whether it's on the job side or in the in the corporate world, it's a huge thing to take on the idea of changing the culture. But if we can create a sense of community and a sense right. of support. Then all of a sudden, when we're when we're seemingly on our own out in that job site or in that workforce or in that position, we have this whole like backing behind us yeah. that we feel that strength and support from.
1: Yeah, and it's a and it's a community that has men and women in it, uh-huh. right? Because there are so many men out there that I have met that want to see this change, that have a vested interest in seeing it change, and want to be a part of it. So. Um, I feel very fortunate that we have a lot of male members that are getting involved too.
0: I think that's huge too. And you know, we get on these kicks that it's like go women and, and I'm all for that, you but too. I really believe that we, I am all for that. <laughs> but I, I, I'm with you though, that there is this complimenting side of the man and, or the male and female kind of role in these opportunities of collaboration that sometimes the, the differences between us can actually be strengths when we can look at them and see how we're really complementing one another by working together.
1: Right. Yeah. You
0: know, do you have any advice that you think um, you would like to share with either your younger self, if you were looking back on that or, or even just people who are kind of in this place now where they're like, I know I've got to build my network and maybe I just don't know how.
1: Well, you know, it's so interesting. I think, I used to think about, you know, the idea of like change and, and some of the things that I've gone through, you know, I, I've been through a divorce, I had a crazy upbringing, and I used to be like, well, I wish I would have chosen differently, or I wish I didn't have to grow up like that, and I think so often women, or maybe it's just me, but we're, we're perfectionists, and we oftentimes want everything clean, and, and It's really just, it's not a reality. I think that if we can learn to pull on our emotional experiences, we are going to be incredibly kick ass in the workplace, right? Like, so so I wouldn't change a thing about any journey that I've gone through, any failure that I've had, because they all brought me to where I am today and every single one of them has made me a stronger leader. And so I guess the advice that I would have for my younger self is dive in deeper make more decisions, fail more, you know, like just do it Quit, Quit saying like, Oh, I don't, I don't know if I could do that. Or that might, we're so calculated. Like, just do
0: it. You're going to learn from it. That's huge. And that's great advice. You know, (laughs) it's like, sometimes we get so, and I think you're right. Perfectionism is a huge uh, hurdle for many of us. And it's, it's great in some regard. We want to do things to the best of our ability, but, really, if it keeps us from ever making progress, because we don't want to start until it's perfect, uh, it right. can be it can be a real stumbling block as well. It's true. Do you um, have anything exciting that you want to share or that people can connect with you or get behind you on? Oh my gosh, we do
1: so much great work here at the chamber and we have an incredible community of members. Um, I think, you know, one of the things that I'm the most proud of with this organization is our, some of our larger events, because essentially what they do is they advocate, right? One of our biggest roles is to advocate on behalf of our community. And so the way that you do that is through education and educating the community. And so all of our events um, have some educational or inspirational component to them. The way that I explain it, or actually I can't take credit for this, one of our members told me this, but the way that I think of our membership is, you know, you have the woman walking on the stairs above you and you're holding her hand and you're grabbing the hand of the woman below you and you're all kind of walking up the stairs together. That's sort of what I think about with our events because there's something magical about them. Um, So we do five a year. And they all have a component where you learn something. I think my favorite event that we do is called Girls Rising. Okay. And it's usually around high school graduation time like the May time frame. Um, when I first started here at the Chamber, in my previous role at Goodwill we had worked with Denver Public Schools and we worked with interns and you know tried to get them placed in different jobs just to get that work experience. And so when I started here I thought, oh, I wonder if there's a way for us to work together here at the Women's Chamber. And they told me about these two young girls that had just completed an engineering internship. And they actually invented an aerosol detector that is still in use today in in the sky, right? And I thought, I want to profile these young girls. This is incredible. And that sort of spawned the Girls Rising event now that has expanded. And so we're raising awareness for young women that are going into really non-traditional careers. So girls that at the age of, you know, 18 are like, I wanna be a CEO someday, right? Or I wanna be an engineer. I wanna go into construction. I wanna I want to go into the skilled trades. I wanna be a welder. You know, <laughs> yeah. like these things that you, we sort of shy away from. right? And we're actually giving out scholarships and we hear the young girls' stories and it's such an inspiring event. So um, I would say most of our events are like that where we show really incredible women doing amazing things. So that one's oh a good gosh. one to watch for.
0: That's exciting and we will have all of that information so people can register and attend the events and check out the five big events you do all year. I know you also offer um, you know, groups for CEOs and mm-hmm. You know, yeah. some of that. Can you tell us about some of the smaller groups that people can think I, about Yeah, and
1: I think that that's one of the best things about our membership. And I'll tell you why. Research shows that, especially as a woman, if you have a peer group of supporters around you that are there to empower you and inspire you, you will be more successful in your career or in running your business. And we have found that to be absolutely true. And so we break it up. So we have a CEO group for women-owned businesses that are below a million and a CEO group for businesses that are above a million. So there's a statistic in Colorado that says that less than 1% of women-owned businesses ever get over a million in revenue. Wow. And so with that CEO group, we're really trying to bring in speakers to encourage them to grow and then with the ones with, you know, the, you know, over a million, they have employees and their challenges are just a little bit different. And so they really provide a lot of incredible support. Um, I'll never forget in that group, we had a woman, we, we go around the room and we do check-ins with each other, like how you're, how you're doing on a scale of one to five, both personally and professionally. And so it got to one of the women in the room and she said, well, I'm doing a five professionally. And then she started crying, and as a result, I'm a one, personally, because I have no time for myself, no time for my family, no time. And it was, which we can all relate to, right? Right. What was interesting about it is the women just rallied around her, but unlike anything I've ever seen, right? So if we tell that to our girlfriends, they're going to be like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, and give you a hug, let's go have a glass of wine, let's, that's not what happened here. They wanted to have wine too, but. They rallied around her and gave her ideas, like, oh, okay, have you thought about getting an assistant, even just for a couple hours a week? Have you thought about this, or I did that, or here's some tricks with email. Here's some of the things that I did to delegate to my employees. So it was just all of those wonderful things that you get from the support of women, but really good business ideas as well. And so um, there's those two groups. And then we have a corporate women's support group, because again, I feel like the challenges for women and corporations to grow are a little bit different. And so we provide programming for those groups to figure out, okay, how are you going to grow your career? How are you gonna navigate that?
0: That's awesome. So really, no matter where you fall in, what business category you're in, what kind of company you're in, if you're an entrepreneur or you're working for, for a company, you are offering some sort of support and education for those women.
1: Absolutely. And we want them to grow. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And Kristen, keep up the good work. I mean, your yeah. reputation in this community is so solid and people very much admire and appreciate what you're doing for the women in this community and the business owners in this community. And so I just am so appreciative that you took the time to be here with us today. Well, thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, so and thank you. Just to call out, you know, I, I look at myself as sort of a channeler, right? And like all of the things that we're doing are channeled through me, through mm-hmm. our members so I always like to call that out because if you think about that, and what it's doing for this organization, think about joining a community like this and what it'll do for your career, your business, because it's,
0: it's incredible. Yeah, that's huge. And you know, I've never heard it said exactly like that, but a channeler is a really good yeah. way to get. <laughs> yeah. You're very skilled at seeing needs and then helping yeah. to facilitate solutions and ways for those needs to become uh, you know, almost triumphs over, over challenges.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: So thank you again so much for being on. And before we wrap up, do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share? Oh gosh.
1: Um, no, you know, I think just the idea of, you know, really just putting a call to action out there as a woman in business and even men in business, like let's just change this. Can we change this already? The latest McKinsey & Company report said that it's gonna take women 107 years to catch up to where men are. Two years ago, it was 100. So the statistics are going in the wrong direction. So let's just rally around this and change it. For not just for us, but for our kids and for future generations, it's gotta change. It's important. So I'll just put that call to action, cry for help out there.
0: (laughs) Awesome, (laughs) well uh, please respond to Kristen's cry for help. And and let's rally together. I mean, it is truly just that we are more powerful and more successful together than we are individually. Yeah. Well, Kristen, thank you so much for being here. We look forward to us. Thank you for doing what you do. Oh, thank you. I mean, it's it's just so fun to hear uh, exciting stories from interesting people, and really understanding that truly at the end of the day, what you're trying to do is just be a resource and help support uh, the people in your network and in your community.
1: Great. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time.
0: No problem. Thank you. Okay.
1: Bye. Bye. Bye -bye.
0: That's all for this episode of social capital expert. Please visit socialcapitalexpert.com for show notes, additional episodes, and to see who will be visiting us next on the show. Also be sure to check out our upcoming social capital mixers. These are events where we can connect in person to build social capital. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to having you join us for the next episode.